Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 60, recorded on January 3rd, 2017. My name is Julie Bayfan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie, and Happy New Year to everybody. I was going to say 2017 Space Odyssey. Well, you know, I had to write a check for the first time this year um, and writing the 17. I I don't know if you ever get used to that New Year thing. It takes you a while, right? I'm probably still writing 1955 on things. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, It would be be less funny if it weren't true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we've just obviously wrapped up 31 days of insane stamp carving awesomeness known as Carve December. Why don't you describe Carve December to those who do not know? So for those of you who don't know, Carve December is a month-long daily project in which you carve a stamp every day of December. Now, with the caveat that I always encourage people and say, even though I say it's every day, who cares if it's every day? And it's the same as sort of my philosophy as art journal every day, which is the goal is to do it every day. But if you don't, who cares? And I think people get very hung up sometimes in daily projects about the fact like that they can't ever miss a day. And while I think like getting the perfect attendance record at school or whatever is amazing and impressive and you do deserve a prize for it, I also think that that's actually not the goal. Like the point is you do it as much as you possibly can. And I think for a lot of people, even if you just carve one stamp, that's one more than maybe you would have been motivated to do otherwise. And I often liken it to, this is the same way I feel about the gym, which is uh, I am not going to go to the gym, but occasionally I make it there and I feel like a flipping rock star when I do. Now, somebody who works out every day is going to be like, you sad, fat, poor, pathetic, out of shape, terrible human being. And I'm going to be like, whatever. I went to the gym. I still win. And I think the same thing is true with like if you carve one stamp, if you carve four stamps, if you carve, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter because you should be proud of yourself that you did it when you might not otherwise have. So anyway, but I think the thing about Carve December that I like so much is that when I think I've carved everything that I'm interested in carving, there's still more. When I think I have, you know, found all the ideas and all the ways and all the tricks, there's still more. When I think I've become the best carver that I can possibly become, there's still more. And that's the amazing thing about having to do something on a really regular basis is that you can keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's even like I'm on the road, I'm traveling, I don't have any time. And like I even ended up in a situation where I didn't even have a table that I could carve on and I was trying to figure out, you know, do I lie on the floor and do this? Like what's happening? Um, So I think I just like that challenge. And then the other thing, of course, is anytime you create a community of makers, the inspiration is just unbelievable. I mean, listen, this is why I think people like... Well, I mean, I think people like Instagram and that kind of stuff because there is the whole peeping Tom thing, which is you like peeping into somebody else's life. But I also think that part of it is it's just so inspiring to see how other people's brains work. And one of my favorite things about Carve December is one person would do a stamp and you would see somebody else's take on it. And then you'd see somebody else's take on that inspiration. And then you see somebody else's take on that. And it became like a game of telephone where you could see the ideas kind of filtering and tricking, trickling through. And I actually, I'm a great believer in that more heads are better than one or whatever that saying is, two heads are better than one. 
Um, so like having 30 people who all are working with this same idea, it, it just, it like shortcuts the creative process somehow because you're pinging off each other, um, like little molecules, you know, smacking against each other, creating heat. I think if my physics is correct, that's vaguely how heat is created anyway. So the bar to entry is extremely low. You just have to go to Instagram to the hashtag carve December. And there it is. Yeah, and you can totally get inspired. And just because December's over is no reason to stop carving. I mean, I saw a couple people who said, you know, if you carved um, one stamp every other week, you know, if you carved one stamp a month, if you carved one, I mean, whatever it is, like you can carve throughout the year and end up with a wonderful collection. I mean, some of my favorite photos on Instagram, if you look at that hashtag, are there people who have posted and I need to do this. This is a reminder to self when I listen to this podcast and somebody keep me honest and yell at me until I do it. Um, I want to post all the stamps that I carved because I love those photos when people show these are all the stamps I carved during Carved December. And it's amazing and overwhelming uh, as a collection, you know, and there are some people who are very smart. There's a woman who's been carving uh, just letters in the alphabet and numbers and punctuation. So she just carves one each day and guess what she has at the end of the month, you know, a completed alphabet with numbers and all sorts of stuff. I mean, I just think they're so many ways to go after it there's a woman nicole Mackey, who has done this whole series of little critters and creatures and people and every day she tells a story about them like you know i'm making this up completely but they're funny things like joanne had stinky armpits you know and there's like a critter creature there's another woman who's doing really interesting tessellating stamps which got my brain going there are people doing all kinds of um simple patterns and botanicals and lots of christmas themed stuff because of course it's december um there's just a lot of really exciting things, and I have been very proud and pleased to see that the rotating repeat stamps, which I um, showed people how to create in my book, Car Stamp Play, people are way experts at it now, and that's sort of been happening slowly over time, and that feels very gratifying to see people taking, you know, an idea that I had and just elevating it to even another level, so I'm totally super excited about all of that. Well, I noticed this this year you took off with the tessellating stamps. Why don't you explain to people what tessellation is? So tessellations are shapes that fit together perfectly. Okay, so to a certain extent, like if you, the simplest way I can think to describe it is if you think of the game Tetris, which I think we're all familiar with, those are tessellating shapes, which is to say the way that like the L-shaped one fits around the square-shaped one, right? That's a perfect fit in there. And the goal of Tetris is to perfectly tessellate the tiles. And you lose when you don't perfectly tessellate them, meaning you leave an inadvertent space or more between them but the goal is to have it all fit perfectly so then getting fancier than obviously tetris um the mc escher is probably the most famous tessellator on earth and i blatantly ripped off his work um in carved december because uh i'm just that's the way that i am but anyway he (laughs) (laughs) so he would create instead of something like boring like a block or like a snake squiggle or something like that he would create recognizable, real beautiful shapes like a bird, a lizard, a fish, a, you know, whatever it is. And he would make them perfectly tessellate together. So if you can imagine this, um, it would be as if, uh, you know, under the bird's wing seamlessly slips the next bird's head so that 
you don't realize there's anything missing when I mean in an ideal tessellation shape in my mind and this is just me this is nobody else but in my mind you look at the single tile the single tessellation by itself and you don't think oh that's a tessellation you just think oh that's a a bird a tree a pretty shape or whatever but then when you see the group together into a pattern in which they fit perfectly your mind goes boom and you think oh my god i had no idea that this was a tessellation and look how perfectly they fit together for me that's the goal that's the ideal so what it seems to have led to this this curve december for you is that you did a lot more uh very printing of the actual stamps that you carved not just to show what they looked like printed but to play around with the tessellations and use color. And I, I thought that actually added a new element and you have some videos of making them, uh, which I think people quite liked and watched over and over. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it's an interesting process. And I will say again, like every car of December, I learned something. And in previous years, I was very like black ink, manila tag, black ink, manila tag. And occasionally I do the custom colored ink, pa uh, you know, and stuff like that. But for the most part, um, and this time around, I really just embraced doing a lot of color printing in a way that I hadn't previously. I'm not quite sure why. I think I just became, it became somewhat this time around less about the carving for me and more about the printing. Which That's what I thought. Which may simply be like where my own interests are starting to move, which is to say... I, listen, okay, one of my favorite sections in my book, Car Stamp Play, is a section on how any stamp can become a pattern stamp. And I sh demonstrate it with a heart stamp. And I probably made like 40 different variations of patterns you could make using just one color. So this is just red and black. That's it, you know. Or I think it was just red and white. The background's white. Anyway, so it's just red stamping on white background. And I probably made 40 variations, and they were like, we can't fit this many in the book. We're going to take, like, 12. But I was like, but you don't understand. We have to tell people how many there are. They won't get it, you know. And they were like, no. Um, but I have long loved just that idea that you can take something that doesn't look like it could do so much and then just by the way that you print it it can be so much more and I think I ended up focusing a lot on that towards the end of Carve December um, because I think that's where my my interest sort of traveled to which is you know I think at the beginning it's like I wanted to climb that mountain of can I do these complicated patterns you know, within the stamp itself. And sort of later, I was like, you know what, I know I can do that. But the question is, can I make something greater out of something lesser? So I found that your printing of these stamps, excuse me, <coughs> I have this cough, became more like fabric design or wallpaper design because it, it reminded me of the way you can buy those in different colorways, same print, and they look completely different. And it had that same effect for me. Yeah. I think one of the things that is always amazing to me about service design um, is how much color affects how people feel about it. Because, I mean, that's true of everything, though. I mean, as soon as they make, like, a pink, you know, whatever it is that you used to have in a regular color, you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to have the pink one. 
or you see something and you're like, but it's gold, you guys, you know, or whatever it is, or it's teal. I mean, I was in Target the other day and I was like, oh my God, I want this cabinet. And the friend who I was with was like, why? And I was like, it's teal. And they were like, you don't need a cabinet and it's ugly. I was like, yeah, but it's teal. <laughs> and I, and like, I think that's really true, you know? And so what is so interesting, again, is like when you print in color, and that's one of the reasons that my favorite thing to ask always is which of these prints do you like best? Because oftentimes that's such a personal thing. You know, I'm drawn to greens and blues. I'm drawn to reds and yellows. I really like, you know, stark whatever colors. And so... It really can transform how you feel. So when I, you'll remember this, mom. So many years ago when I was but a slip of a lass, um, I was, I had a booth uh, for licensing at CHA when they used to do that. And I do remember it because yes. most of the time I was stuck sitting in it while you went Well, off. first of all, you were the most yeah. unfriendly booth person. You sat there reading the newspaper and I blame you for the fact that my career had no success like eight hours because you're, you're not there, supposed to do like it. Yeah, you're mannequin. supposed to sit there and be not like a mannequin, like a friendly person who smiles at people and invites them in to look at the portfolio, not like an angry person who reads the newspaper the whole you're time that you're in the booth. booth. Yes. I'm just saying, if you want good help, you guys, you have to apparently pay for it, not just drag your mother along. Anyway. Lesson learned. So, uh, I apparently still haven't learned that lesson. Anyway. Well, so, I, uh, but this guy came by and he said, I know this is your first time. Can I give you some advice? This art director. And I was like, okay, great. Give me some advice. And he said, you're using the wrong reds and greens for Christmas. Uh -huh. And I was like, what and he's like those aren't the reds and greens that are on trend for christmas this year and i was like okay and i don't think i even really understood what that meant at the time because i was like i don't get it like why can't what you know why is there a specific red and green for this christmas why is there you know and uh I'm still not sure I entirely get it. I mean, I get it in the sense that, like, I intellectually understand that they do a lot of research into, like, what people are looking at. And some years, you know, more earthy tones and some years more neon and some years more whatever. And obviously they want to appeal to the customer and have everything sort of go together and match in a suite of colors. And they're tying it into the Pantone and blah, 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 blah. Well, also, but I think it depends what market you're aiming at because there are some people who want the very traditional red and green. That's what emotionally resonates for them. But there are other people who are looking for something else, but that's probably a smaller market. And if you're somebody who's hiring, licensing someone, you really want to reach the most number of people, I would assume. Yeah, well, it was also interesting to me because I was like, well, this is digital. It can all be all changed over to whatever the correct colors are. But I think it's also really hard for people to imagine what that might be, which is why like you often see these pattern sheets that people send out of a pattern with multiple different variations, you know, so that you can see it. Well, now we know why you haven't made it into product. Well, I have had no success in my life. It's true. My mother reads the newspaper in the booth, and I don't know proper Christmas colors. Okay, blame me. <laughs> so I would say Carve December was pretty exciting because I this year because I saw you changing. And then I think other people really were ready for it. They were chomping at the bit to get going on December 1st. And you now have... There's a group of new people to it, but you also have a solid group who is just ready to do it every December and can't wait. 
Yeah, I was actually inclined not to do Carve December this year, but so many people wrote to me asking me, are you going to do it, are you going to do it, that I thought, now you okay, got to do it. Now See, I do it. you Let's started it. You can't, well, like, you know, bait and I, switch. I ran into this thing where I was just doing so much traveling in the back half of, like, October, November, December, and I was road weary, and I thought, really, I'm going to do this daily project instead of just lying face down in a puddle of my own drool? Uh, and the answer was, yes, 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 you are. <laughs> But the good news is it sort of reminded me that uh, stamp carving really is one of those things that if you really only have half an hour, you just got to keep your rubber small and just move your butt and you can get an entire stamp and a print done in that amount of time. Well, you actually had some that you said it took you five minutes. It took you longer to make the prints than it did to actually carve the stamp. Yeah, there were some super quickies and then there were the ones where I was four hours later I stood up and I was like, oh, should have stretched my back before sometime. Ow, 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 ow. You know, but um, I think that that's, I think that's the beauty of so many different craft or art forms is that they can t- sort of take as long or as little as you want. I'm, I'm looking down the barrel of now. So I belong to two different quilt guilds, which are both having quilt shows. And I haven't made, Uh-oh. I know I haven't made a quilt in a long time. I love quilts and I do it. But the thing is making a quilt for realsies is a like, it's, it's a long process, a very long process. And the thing is I just, and do a lot more quick art these days, for lack of a better term. I mean, I do and I don't. Like, there are paintings that I work on for, like, a month or something. But for some reason, I think because of the amount of space that a quilt can take up, blah, blah, blah. I have a lot of excuses. Have you noticed this? Yes. I have a lot of excuses. Anyway, but the point is, one of my 2017 goals, or I guess two of my 2017 goals, is I got to get a quilt for each show. And they're two different. One is a modern quilt guild, so that's got to be a modern quilt. The other one is a sort of anything goes quilt show. So for me, that'll probably mean an art quilt of some kind. Um, And I think it'll be interesting since I haven't really made a big finished. I made some quilted pieces, but I haven't really made a big finished quilt for probably four years, four or five years. Um, And so I think that is going to be spectacularly interesting to see sort of how I've grown, changed, evolved, who knows, over that time. But the deadlines are like in April. So I'm like, it's January. I have time to plan if I actually get my act together. Substitute the word act with another word that I would more commonly use. Uh, Let's talk about the, (laughs) just because I'm so happy about it. You moved to Boston. Yes. You had a quilt that you loved, that you had made. Yes. That you thought was lost forever, somehow in the move. Yes. And you just found it like maybe a week ago. I am so thrilled because it's not a thing you can go out and replace by buying it. You made it and you needed it. I did. I did a little dance around the apartment when I found it. I was so excited and so happy. So if I ever find the lampshade that went missing from the move, I'll be even more impressed. Although I feel like a lampshade is a lot bigger and harder to hide than a quilt, which folds up. But anyway... Uh, yeah, so that was super exciting. So this is a quilt that I made, which won a ribbon in a quilt show that it was in, um, which is why I love it, but I'm going to describe it to you, which is basically at the time it was sort of early on in email and email filtering. And so you weren't spam email, you'd get a lot of it and it wouldn't necessarily get filtered out into your spam email box. And also it wasn't as targeted as it is now. Like right now, most of my spam email is craft related or people from China trying to sell me uh, various products to make things or, you know what I mean, or a Nigerian prince has left me $10 million. But 
the spam email that I was getting at the time was all um, penis enlargement. I was trying to think of a delicate way to put it, but I don't think there is one. Um, so I made this quilt, which just lifted all of the text from these endless spam emails I was getting. So it's called Make Your Hoses Radius Great. And that's that was big, one of those spams That's the big thing that's uh, applique on there. And then all over it are the these little text bites from the spam email that say things I mean they're just they're hilarious and weird because they're not real English and they're awkward and bizarre you know show her that you are a supersized man tonight and like just weird stuff that made me laugh hysterically and I thought the combination or the contrast of quilting which is seen as such like a pretty dainty ladylike ladylike traditional thing with these kind of rude, crude, you know, not well strung together digital emails was kind of a hilarious combination. And I actually happen to think it's also just a beautiful piece because I had sort of a rainbow around this text. I like it a lot. I, there's a photo on my Instagram, actually, which you can see where I declared that I had found the quilt. So if you go onto my Instagram, then you'll be able to find it. I love it. Me too. Actually, I'm looking at a quilt right behind you. My mom and I are on Skype recording this, and I can see a little quilt hanging behind her that I made. That's a little, uh, that's the size of a quilt that I made for a long time, these little eight and a half or eight by ten sort of paper-sized quilts, because you can make that easily in a day or an afternoon. Can you enter those in contests or? You can. I mean, they have some miniature stuff and I certainly could, but I don't know if this show is going to have a minimum size and a maximum size. Usually they do have a min max. The max is usually like a king size bed quilt. And the min, uh, unless they have a mini division, is usually like two by two, four by four, I mean, or something like that. So. Because I just don't see you being able to make two I am quilts not, by April. I am April. not going to make, be able to make a bed-sized quilt. I think I can make an art quilt that's, you know, like maybe 30 by 30, you know, 30 by 36, something like that. That's doable and reasonable. The real thing I'm going to have to figure out um, is I have never quilted on the sewing machine that I have right now. So I've only quilted on my previous sewing machine, which is still in the house. So I have to decide whether I'm going to be brave enough to, on something I'm entering into a contest do quilting on the machine I've never worked with or whether I will revert back to my old machine just because I know I know the feel of that bad boy you know what my advice is go for broke no actually you're short of time every second that you're learning the new machine is time you're not quilting oh man you're a taskmaster mom that's my job. I know. So let's talk about uh, this January, which represents your 10-year blog anniversary. Oh, baby. And you have a whole special month started today, actually. I do. Well, actually, it's yesterday, sort of. I mean, okay. the intro was yesterday. Today, I guess, was the first post. By the time this podcast airs, it will be many days ago. Um, but... but it'll be first. I'll just say it'll be disconcerting to people because you look very different in the various things that you're going to be posting. <coughs> some of them you look like what you look like now, and some of them you look really different because you weighed a whole lot more. And sometimes it's hard for me to remember that it's you. 
Well, you know what's so funny is, I mean, that's what I really looked like for my whole life. I mean, for, I would say, I would say 80% of my life I've been severely overweight. So it's kind of hilarious to me because I know all the time people say to me, oh, it's so weird to look at those photos or I never realized essentially, I mean, they try to put it nicely, but they say like, I never realized how fat you were. Um, which is always kind of <laughs> hilarious. Oh, thank, um, thank you. Thank you. Or something. I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, somebody once told me that it looked like they couldn't watch a video of me as the old me because it looked like somebody had eaten me. And I was like, mm. <laughs> uh, again. again, thank what? you. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> But the thing is, like, when I look at those pictures, it is me, and that in some ways is, like, very much a me that I recognize and know. But I know, especially to, like, new readers or people who have met me only in the last few years, that that's, like, a bizarre other human being, you know? But I guess that's, I don't know, that's who I feel like I am anyway, still. Well, it is still you, and so I think it'll be interesting for people to see how your voice has changed and improved, frankly. Yeah, you know, I have re- been reading a lot of comments from people who've been following for a long time who have all said, like, you know, they've they've been there for the evolution. They've watched as changes have happened. And I hope that I am still changing. I hope that I'm still growing. I hope that there are still new things to come. Um, but, so give the rundown of yeah. Monday through Sunday, what they'll expect this so, month. So Mondays are tutorial redos, and what these are is it's um, people basically taking a tutorial from my archives and redoing it through a modern lens. So new materials, new ideas, new services, new whatever, you know. Um, then Tuesdays are picks from the archives. So this is uh picks that people have made of favorite posts like off the top of your head what's your favorite post from my blog over the last 10 years I just asked a couple people that question um Wednesdays are giveaways and you guys there are some awesome giveaways so there's there's art foamies and there's crafters workshop stencils and there's uh carve stamp playbooks and uh, even a hand carved stamp by Julie Faye Van Balzer, and there's online classes, and there's a scan and cut, a brand new uh, CM350. But every Wednesday, there's a different giveaway that's coming down the pipeline for you, and it's some um, good stuff, if I do say so myself. So I'm super excited about all of that. Thursdays. Thursdays is new content. So obviously podcast, new content, um, and some other new content that is coming as well. And then Fridays is our journal every day, but it's from the archives, obviously, with some um, comments from me as well. Um, and our journal every day hasn't been happening for 10 years, but there's a lot of stuff there. And I know that's one of the most popular features that people love. So I wanted to be sure to highlight that every Friday too. Um, and then Saturdays and Sundays, I should say is probably posting most Saturdays, um, not really Sundays, but I'm gonna say weekends, um, are testimonials. I had asked people a while back for testimonials and a lot of people were generous enough to send me. And I love seeing photos of themselves, photos of them and me at various classes, photos of uh, work that they've done inspired by work of mine, just kind words, expressing things. I think of it kind of like a guest book and I wanted to collect those all and kind of put them up and say, you know, this is a community. And just like when I was saying Carve December, we ping off each other. I think that there is something about um, 
knowing that other people have found their creative voice, knowing that other people have uh, been inspired by things, I hope that that might actually re-inspire some other people. I just really, I want the blogiversary to be a couple things. I want it to obviously be a celebration of like 10 years of blogging, which I think is quite a feat, frankly. I'm sort of amazed that I've made it. Um, but 10 years of blogging, that's amazing. Um, to celebrate that. I also w- want it to just be a celebration of creativity and a reminder that and this is one of the reasons it's really important to me to show some of my beginnings, some of my early posts, some of my early fears, some of my early all that stuff. Because I think sometimes people often look at what I make now and they say, I want to make that. And the answer is fantastic. You got 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're more talented than I am, which you very well might be, maybe you only have three years or whatever. But I mean, that's the point, which is we all have a beginning. And I certainly did not come out of the womb able to draw, able to create, able to do any of those things. I just am a really hard worker and I'm really passionate. And I always say to people, like, the thing that I'm really that I think is really the strongest, best thing about me is that I am intensely curious. So if you ask me, did I go to art school? No. But if you ask me, did I uh, try to do a ton of research and figure out like why this is that way, then yeah, I did. And instead of having someone tell me in art school, I just like figured it out for myself because I'm curious. And I think that so much of what I do and create is motivated by that curiosity. You know, I did a little um, visual interview for Nat Callback's Creative Jumpstart where she's interviewing all the teachers of the online class. Mm-hmm. And I'll post a link to the interview. Uh, but what I was going to say is, one of the questions is, what's your favorite art tool? And it di- didn't even take me two seconds. I drew a picture of my brain. Because I really think, like, in the end, that is my best art tool, which is my brain. Because I'm full of questions and curiosity and creativity and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, to sort of wrap it around and create even more synthesis, I mean, the reason that Carve December came about is the same reason that Organization Week or Foiling Week or, you know, Art Journal Every Day or any of these things came about is just because... I, my brain is interested and wants to reach out to other brains. And now I'm sounding like some zombie movie. My brain would Uh. like to touch your brain. Um, But it's true. I would like to ping with you and I would like to sort of, you know, make creativity happen. I mean, it's that old, like, um, when you don't have a community near you, like in person. I mean, one of the reasons I belong to two quilt guilds is because I can't figure out how to meet other creative people around me. So quilt guilds are a super easy way to meet other people who create because guess what they do? They quilt, you know, I just, there isn't like a, there isn't an art journal guild and there isn't a like, you know, there just aren't those things. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to find my peeps. Anyway, so the third thing that I would like the blogiversary to do, if I could get back on track somehow vaguely, Um, is I just also want to sort of uh, do some actual reflection into where I've been and where I'm going in terms of me sort of thinking about what it is that is next, you know, what's next in this journey. And I think that there is no better way to do that than to look back at where you've been and to sort of think about how you want to turn that ship. You know, what's interesting is you have a plan and yet you're open when stuff comes along that's unexpected. I think and this is the key to painting, Mom. 
I think this is the key to creating, which is people say, do you sit down and start with an idea? And I say, yes or no. I mean, you start with some sort of vague idea. I'm going to paint some blue on here, maybe a couple different shades of blue. And then something happens and you are open to the possibility that the blue plan can change. You know? I think that's right. You let the story that is being told tell you what to do. You let the materials speak to you. Well, it's like people you let who, the moment speak to you. Yeah, and it's like people who are writers who say, well, I didn't know what the story was about until the characters started telling me. Yeah. And you think, what are you, psychotic? They're not real. And the answer is, <laughs> but they are. Because what's happening is you create this character, and if you create this character, then they start having a life that they want to have. And it's not their life that you would have. It's life that the character would have. And I think the same thing is true when you start working on a painting. And I've often found that when I try to force a painting to go where I want it to go, it's a disaster. And when I open myself to the possibilities of, you know, actually listening to the painting, it's a much better situation. Which is why when you teach and you paint in front of people and try to get towards a finished composition in front of people, it is nightmare, terrifying, horrific experience. For them... And for you. There you go. <laughs> what do you think it means that your paintings currently are trending toward a very kind of bizarre? Aggressively creepy is what I would yeah. call it. Yeah. Well, you know, I have this thing in my brain, which I've been trying to work on, which is an artist statement. Like an official you would need for a gallery or to like, you know, be a legitimate fine artist. Like an artist statement. And I keep thinking, what is the work that I create about? You okay, know. I'll bite. What is it about? And well, it's a question that I go back and forth on because I keep thinking like, you know, I, I mean, not to be rude, but I keep thinking like, am I writing something that's to sell work? Am I writing something that's absolutely true? Am I writing like a personal mantra statement? Am I writing? I don't know. I mean, I would say like I am fascinated by things that are grotesque. <laughs> That sounds horrible. But I'm fascinated by things that are sort of grotesque and interesting and weird. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that. I'm <laughs> oh, so proud. Because I like you and you're grotesque and witness. No. That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> but, you know, I, I find that that kind of stuff. And, and so in the simplest of forms, it's like asymmetry is more interesting to me than symmetry. You know, uh so that's like the simplest version of it. And the more, the bigger version of it, is, I think I've said this for years, I'm, I'm interested in, in drawing faces that are interesting rather than pretty. That are sort of, and sometimes that sort of sexy ugly or the kind of like, that nose is too broad, those teeth are too big, that eye is the wrong size, that, you know, that there's this like grotesque beauty somehow that I find really interesting. And even when I'm doing a lot of abstract stuff, what I have discovered is that I like the work a lot better when I start putting in browns and grays and kind of like those ugly colors and then out of them comes something else. I mean, I don't know else how to put it in it. And like when stuff is kind of a mess and yet at the same time really attractive and beautiful. So I don't know. I'm in the middle of trying to figure it out. But right now I'm sort of in this grotesque beauty phase. Do you think it has anything to do with all the stuffed animals in the house? 
That's super creepy, and no. I was going to say, my childhood room at my mother's house is very much still my childhood room, and there are uh, plenty of dolls and stuff in there. And then my mother has a predilection for um, what she calls stuffed animals, which is uh, dead uh, taxidermied animals that she buys at like flea markets and stuff. So there's bears and a moose and elk and a try a new, I think, in there. And, and I, a have rabbit, at least three, a I have at least three squirrels. Yes, because people, every time somebody inherits a taxidermied animal from some dead uncle, they pass it on to us, knowing that and my I mother finds it. them hilarious. And for everybody who loves animals, I just want to be clear. We're not killing any animals. We're not buying anything new. This is all stuff that's old and in junk shops and in, like, flea markets and stuff, okay? And that's what it is. My mom's never been hunting, never held a gun, never, never, never. Anyway. So, yeah. So, those are creepy and funny and weird and interesting at the same time. Yes. I also like, I mean, I like beautiful insects. Well, how about the vase that Matthew just bought you, brought you from Japan? Yes. My brother brought my mother a vase, which is this guy, like the opening of the top of the vase is like a man's head thrown back and the opening of the vase is his mouth. So when you put a flower in, it pretty much looks like he's vomiting this flower out because it's like this weird screaming face. Anyway, it's totally creepy and awesome. It's fantastic. delicately described well i mean how about your wallet which is also creepy which is like this leather wallet that has an eyeball like a glass dimensional eyeball in the middle of it coming out of a wrinkled leather thing i mean it's really cool but it's creepy mom i don't think people understand how creepy you are so that's why i said maybe (laughs) i have a teeny bit of credit you do you do it's true it's true. I like creepy and interesting things. I like things that make you think. I like things that make you, like, take a step back. I mean, I love things that are pretty. We all like things that are pretty. It's nice to look at pretty people and all that kind of stuff. But I like things that are arresting. And I would say even in the jewelry that I choose or the way that I dress mm-hmm. or the patterns, mm-hmm. like, I would rather – I love it when people come up to me and say that is such an interesting – purse or I love your you know I bought these grotesque earrings in um Australia that are so hideously gaudy I love them and every time I wear them they're gigantic and so ugly and every time I wear them people are like oh my god where did you get those earrings because I think we actually are attracted to hideously ugly things all the time as opposed to if you're like are wearing beautiful pearls and you look very pulled together like that's awesome but nobody walks up to you and says where did you get that hideously ugly bag it's amazing so what's up for January So January, so I'm going to be on HSN on uh, January 10th. I, the dates are, the times rather of the shows are always a little bit up in the air. It looks right now like it's in the 8 a.m. and the 11 p.m. hours, but I'll update on social media as I know. I know, awkward. 8 a.m. and 11 p.m. It's a lot of daytime. Um, and then I'm going to CHA. I will be in the brother booth for most of the time. I will also be in the crafters workshop booth and I will also be in the art foamies booth. Um, so if you're going to be at CHA, you can find me there. And then that's, uh, most of us having January. I'm, I have a birthday in January, so I'm looking forward to that. 
And uh, I think that's all. And of course, I have to, I was just thinking it's Tuesday. I better edit my vlog because every Wednesday, as always, I've decided I was, so originally when I started the vlog, the video blog, um, I was only going to do it for like a couple months and see how I liked it. But there have been so many enthusiastic uh, comments and I really have enjoyed doing it. So I've decided to continue it for another six months and sort of see how it goes. And if people are still watching it and enjoying it, then I'll, I'll keep a going with it. So that's every Wednesday on my YouTube channel. You can find that. It's just 10 minutes of uh, hijinks. It's a lot of food. <laughs> a lot well, of why don't you fat. talk about how the vlogging is different from the blogging? Okay, so I think of the... Bl so here's the thing. Here's like if, if, if Julie Land is a, is a universe, okay, unto itself... The blog is at the center of that. So everything that is important, notable, interesting, whatever, makes it onto the blog eventually. So there may be a picture of me visiting a museum on Instagram, but there's an in-depth post of that museum visit on my blog. There may be like a picture of a finished project you know, on Facebook, but the actual in-depth tutorial is on my blog. There may be, you know what I mean, a peek in a vlog at me painting some pumpkins, but the entire finished video and the pumpkins themselves are on my blog. So the blog is like the center of the universe. It's the sun. It's the place of record. Then off of that are all these different sprouts. So the podcast I think of as for people who like to, um, I mean, I can only answer why I listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts because I think hearing people's voices and chatting about things, you just get more of a sense of somebody's personality than you really do from reading. And it's nice when you're in the car or walking or like making art to just sort of have something to keep you company. So that's sort of who I think of the podcast for is people who are creative and interested in thinking about some of the sort of intellectual issues around art and art making of all kinds. And I love that we've had a lot of guests who weren't traditional art makers, you know, um, and I hope to do more of that in the future. So that's that. Then the Instagram is for people who want the quick visual lowdown. Like I just want to see the quick picture of what's happening and I want an immediate what's happening today. So that's like the living in the now kind of thing. Then the Instagram stories that I do are these little videos and pictures that you can find on my Instagram account. They're, they're much more like daily life. Hey, I'm in the parking lot of here. Hey, I'm with my family playing Mahjong. Hey, I'm whatever. So that's those are for people who are really peeping toms and want the whole like behind the scenes deal. It's me making funny faces and stuff like that. And they only last for 24 hours. They only hours. last for 24 hours. It's like Snapchat. Then I think of like Twitter is a place where I often will just like tweet out random things that I'm doing or it's where you can find like links to Instagram, links to my blog. Um, I'll answer questions that people have and stuff. It's a good place to connect with people. Um, and then Facebook, I think, tends to be more of a crowd who naturally is checking Facebook. And I don't post a lot of like I don't post a lot of stuff to Facebook that's like Facebook only content. So that's really, I think, of people who, uh, you know, like to get their news through Facebook. Because they say now uh, it was a scary percentage, 80% of adult Americans or something like that, you know, get their news through Facebook, something crazy like that. So that's just a way of filtering it all through the Facebook crowd. But then finally, if I may, I mean, YouTube is obviously search engine video, blah, 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 blah. 
But what I was going to say is, so finally the vlog, which is on YouTube and all that kind of stuff, the vlog for me services people who are looking for, I think it's somewhat overlapping with the podcast, which is say it's personal, it's personal voice. I do a lot of direct address where I talk to the camera. It's a little bit of the Instagram story, which is to say people are interested in peeking in. But I try to tell a story every week of what that week has been. And you get to see a lot more of like my real life, my family. I talk about Weight Watchers. I talk about... Um, you know, I, I talk about dating, I talk about, you know, um, trips that I've been on, there's a lot of stuff at the airport, I, you get to see sort of my uh, projects in process, what I'm kind of thinking about, family holidays, meals, uh, what more I, meals, more meals, some, some meals after that, uh, what I look like in my glasses with my hair wet in my pajamas right out of bed, there's definitely been some times I grabbed the camera when I was lying in bed and didn't want to get up so it was a more intimate sort of look but um, again it's all sort of filtered through uh, art to a certain extent but you know this is I always say like what is Balzer Designs about it's art plus life and I'm lucky enough that my life sort of revolves around art a friend of mine said to me the other day uh he was like, what are you doing tonight? I was like, you know, I'm going to have a party. He was like, no, are you going to hang out with your mom? I was like, no, I don't hang with my mom every night. He's like, oh, are you going to do some work then? I was like, oh, those are the two options. I'm either going to hang out with my mom or do work. He was like, pretty much. I was like, fine. But that that is true. <laughs> like, that is a lot of what my life consists of, which is fine. Um, and I'm happy with it, but I just think it's kind of funny. So you kind of see a lot of that in the Julie's World vlog. Don't you think? I do. I love it. It's a little glimpse. Although I will say that last week I went over to my mom's house and I tried to take a video of something she was doing and she was like, I don't have my hair and makeup on. You can't take a video of me. And so I was banned. I don't want the public to be so incredibly <laughs> disappointed and shocked. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth, which is my mother doesn't believe this, but she looks exactly the same without her makeup as she does with it. Literally. Like you can't even tell the difference. But, you know, it's the same thing. You can never tell anybody that. It's the same as I, somebody made the comment on my vlog the other day when I said, oh, am I wearing too much blush or blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you know, I wish somebody had told me when I was younger, stop worrying about it. You're beautiful. You don't need makeup. You don't need whatever. And I was like, you know, I think of that all the time about other people. You just never think it about yourself. Since I've had my uh, two cataract operations. Yeah. I've had to buy this hugely magnifying mirror with a light to do my makeup because I can't do it with my glasses on and I can't see it with my glasses off. With your bifocals, you mean? Yeah, and it's just hideous. <laughs> you look at your face magnified, you know, 20 times and it just looks like see, the monster from the deep. That's the thing. Like, I don't oh know. Oh, my being, God. Being an actress would be so hard because... Terrible. You're HD. Think about it. HD. you're on the camera is like just that. Kill you. I mean, whenever I, like, make fun of people for having plastic surgery, I'm always like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Think about the trauma that that must be to have people staring at you and making personal comments about your face and your pores and stuff all the time. That would be horrible. I would hate that. Anyway, we got way off track here, Mom. No, but it goes back to the... And yet... I love the, for example, the grotesque faces that you paint. So, yeah, I'm interested right now. Why shouldn't I learn to love my own? My own grotesque <laughs> face. Well, the thing is, I'm just really interested in the idea that, like, when I go and look at art in museums, 
You know, I'm not drawn to here is a beautiful uh, John Singer Sergeant. Yeah, John Singer Sergeant of a lovely lady. Like, I appreciate them, and I, and I think he's incredibly skilled and talented. Or, like, I remember seeing a Goya exhibit where, again, what a painter, what a master, or, like, Rembrandt, or any of these amazing people who were able to basically do, like, so real, so beautiful. I just, those aren't the, the paintings that get my personal juices going, I know there are people for whom that is it. That is like the pinnacle. For me, it's like, I like the messy. I like the kind of grotesque. I like the weird. I like the interesting. I like the paintings that invite me in to have a conversation with the weirdo in the painting. Just kind of figure out where it's going. I mean, I think this is why I love Picasso. And, you know, even Matisse has some grotesque, you know, uh, if you look at his elongated weird forms and other things like that, like, um, I love Beckman. He talk about grotesque and weird, just things that to me, I, I think the word I'm looking for are arresting. Uh -huh. You uh -huh. know, strangely charismatic. It forces you to consider the choices that the artist made too. Yeah. Even though the artist obviously made choices in the more, painterly beautiful charming photos or photo paintings still somehow they're the expected choices in the kind of art that you're describing they're choices that were made with their minds in a different place. I really, well, I also, I'm drawn also to those. I say, like, I think some of it to me is, like, when I look at a beautiful Rembrandt, it feels like a story being told to me, or a Vermeer. Like, you look at it and you say, okay, I'm being told a story about this person based on what they're wearing, the ring on their finger, the thing that's in the background. Like, I'm being told a story, which is great. Mm -hmm. But when I look at a, you know, weirdo painting by Picasso or, a, you know, something grotesque and interesting by somebody else, like I like a Beckman, I feel like I'm not being told a story. I'm being invited to have a conversation with this painting and to put my own story into it, you know, and I think that's more fun. That's more engaging. I think maybe that's the word too, is that I find those paintings more engaging because instead of being told, I'm being invited in. You never could be told anything. Well, fair point. You have to make up your own <laughs> mind. Continuing this pattern of defiance. I think of myself as a demure Asian flower mom. So I'm just saying. What a surprise people are in for. <laughs> From one to another, lady. <laughs> anyway, so we should probably wrap up. Um, okay. I am going to post on the um, arting page and with this podcast some pictures and some thoughts for some other Carve December participants. I'll also link to um, the Creative Jumpstart that I mentioned. What other things did I say I was going to link to? I can't remember. Oh, God. Was there not a quilt? Because that you said oh, was already was on, on the, Instagram. I'll link to the Instagram post that has the quilt so that people can see that. Um, but I think that's it. Otherwise, that's sort of it. Any last thoughts, Mom? I never have a last thought. 
<laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. Uh, <laughs> somebody said to me the other day, uh, and and I hope you don't think this is too macabre, but he said, uh, when your mom dies, she's going to she's gonna haunt that house, and you'll just wake up and find little packages of food at the bottom of the bed waiting for you. Oh, that is macabre. <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> but it seems like the kind of way you'd haunt, with care packages of treats. Always more food. <laughs> there you go. So as always, you can find me at balzerdesigns.typepad.com. Do leave us your comments or questions at balzerdesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag. It's all one word. Pound arting podcast. A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting Podcast.